Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Sheckman. Back in 2002, in the wake of the George W. Bush election, political demographer Rui Teixeira, along with journalist John Judas, wrote The Emerging Democratic Majority. It spoke of the changing demographics of America, of ethnic diversity, and how it was destined to shape forever democratic success in the 21st century. That success has not quite worked out as planned. It turns out that the feature, not the bug, was the way our Constitution was written. Rural voters matter. Books like Hillbilly Elegy, What's the Matter with Kansas, and Kevin Phillips' Emerging Republican Majority painted a different picture than Tashira and Judas, one where rural voters would succumb to the seduction of populism, culture wars, and the power of the evangelical right. Enter Donald Trump and the collection of populist crazies. But is this a permanent condition? Is this divide the real 21st century political future? My guest, Maine State Senator Chloe Maxman, and her campaign manager, Canyon Woodward, think that there's another way forward for the Democrats. They dealt with it in Chloe's campaign and in their new book, Dirt Road Revival. Chloe Maxman, at 29, is the youngest woman ever to serve in the Maine State Senate. She was elected in 2020 after unseating a two-term Republican incumbent and the former State Senate Majority Leader. In 2018, she served in the Maine House of Representatives after becoming the first Democrat to win a rural conservative district. Canyon Woodward was born and raised and homeschooled in the Appalachian Mountains of rural North Carolina and was the campaign manager for Chloe Maxman's successful 2018 and 2020 campaigns. He earned an honors degree from Harvard, where he was an active organizer to get Harvard to divest from fossil fuels. Together, they're the authors of Dirt Road Revival, how to rebuild rural politics, and why our future depends on it. Chloe, Canyon, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Chloe, I want to start with you and and a little bit about why you wanted to jump into politics. Is it something you always thought about, something you had planned? And if not, what is it that was the turning point? Mm, That's such a good question. It, It was definitely not something that I had ever thought about growing up and I started to think about it after I graduated college, but but I thought it was something that I would do in my 30s or 40s because I literally thought that I needed um, or one needed, you know, graduate degrees and have a stable home with a, a spouse and children in order to run for office just because that's what I had seen as the model. But Canyon and I had been talking a lot about, uh, you know, what does progressive organizing look like in rural communities and how could we bring it back to our hometown? So. Um, in 2018, we just decided to take the plunge. We were um, both both 25 at the time, and um, you know, I, I think there's like a lot of a lot of factors that went into deciding to do it at that moment. Watching Donald Trump get elected with the rural vote in large part, and also watching state legislatures swing to the right, also because of the rural vote, it felt felt like I had a duty to go back to my hometown in my home house district, which did vote for Trump in 2016 and really kind of understand what was happening. And and stay with that for a moment. The idea of going back to your hometown, going back to this small rural community where you grew up, so many young people today, after they finish college, want to get away from that. They want to go to, to the city or somewhere else. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, it's definitely... I've just always loved where I'm from. Even during college, I came home every long weekend, every vacation. I I just love it here. I moved back the day after I graduated from college. 
But I, I definitely have so many peers who did leave and a lot of folks who don't want to come back, um, you know, because there's not a lot of folks here. It's, yeah. it's a different way of life. There's not a lot of young people. And also, I think, you know, a lot of young folks who are, you know, have different identities don't always feel safe coming back to some of the rural conservative places. And, you know, but I just really love where I'm from and I wanted to understand what was happening to my community because the divisiveness that we see today is not how I was raised. And Canyon, talk about your interest. You grew up in a rural environment in North Carolina. Talk about why you didn't want to escape that and why it was so interesting to you. Yeah, you know, I think for for a long time, I did imagine escaping it. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't till you know several years into into college, at least, and and living in the city when country music started sounding sounding like home and nostalgic instead of something that I immediately wanted to turn off. <laughs> and um, I, you know, I felt a really strong pull back to the the mountains and the the rivers and, and the creeks and the family and and just the slower pace of life here. Canyon, Chloe's campaign and, and how you envisioned it. Why did you think that, that in a rural conservative district, somebody like Chloe had a chance of winning? Gosh, you know, and I mean, in 2018, I wasn't, I honestly, I wasn't completely sure that she did have a real, <laughs> a real shot. It, she was running in a district that, you know, had a 16 point Republican, Republican advantage, which is a huge, huge advantage to overcome. And but I think approached it with a lot of curiosity of, you know, it was early 2018 Trump's election was still super recent memory. And it was kind of like, why not, why not give it a try and just see, see what we can do, see what can happen. And, you know, she was 20, like she said, 25 years old at the time running in one of the most rural districts in the state and, mostly in what was the oldest county in the state by age. Um, so it's like, can this 25 year old, you know, climate activist appeal to anyone here? And, um, and yeah, it tur- turned out that, that she really could. Chloe, did you think you had a chance to win or were you doing it because it was something you believed in and felt that, that this was something you had a, kind of an obligation to do? I mean, I certainly hoped that we would win, but I, I think in campaigning it, as much about the journey as the outcome and so it really felt like the right thing to do and the the farther that we got into the campaign and the experience and talking with all of these folks who had never been contacted by democrats before it felt like conversation by conversation we were actually making a difference and learning a lot about what's happening in our country so it felt worth it during the moment even though it was uh, extremely hard to tell if, if we would make it or not. What were you most afraid of as you went out there to campaign? I, I mean, I think the, the honest truth is, is I was afraid something would happen to me alone when I'm canvassing out in the woods by myself. Um, but, you know, I definitely had some experiences that did not feel super comfortable, but, um, you know, thank God I, I was safe. And I, you know, I definitely present with a lot of privilege and, um, you know, but, but that was always on my mind is like, what, what can happen? Um, but I also, you know, my community is a very beautiful, is a very beautiful place and it's safety run true. 
And as you mentioned before, or I think Kenya mentioned, you, you talked to people that really had not talked to Democrats before. Talk a little bit about what some of those confrontations were like or what started out as confrontations. Yeah, I mean, I think I remember doing a voice memo back in 2018 and I said something like, man, Democrat is a bad word around here. You know, when you show up at someone's door, they often ask, are you a Democrat or a Republican? And I I always answered, I'm a Democrat. I think, I think, you know, especially at the national level that the Democrats have developed a reputation in rural places that it's just really hard to overcome. And there are so many candidates like me and so many local organizations working on the ground to elect amazing, elect, uh, you know, progressive folks to office. And we have to kind of overcome that national narrative. Um, but I think once you can kind of push back those preconceived notions of what a Democrat may be, or in myself, I can push back against what my vision of what a Republican may be. There's actually so much fertile common ground that we can we can really build a relationship from. I want to ask both of you this. Chloe, start with you. How much of, of your success and your ability to talk to these people and your ability to bring many of them around to vote for you came from not politics or ideology or issues necessarily, but the sheer force of your personality out there? Oh, my. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure how strong my personality is, but, you know, I think I, um, I think I, I've always been kind of extremely empathetic and, and very quiet. And I think those, those qualities allowed me to really listen to people, listen to people talk a lot. And, and through that listening, really understand where they were coming from in a way that I really, I wasn't expecting. Um, But I think it wasn't just about me. It was all of our volunteers too. And how, and how just, kind and genuine our campaign was so that whenever someone got a phone call or a door knock or a postcard from someone involved with our movement it was it was just really genuine and nice and canyon how much was was it issues and how much was it was it was chloe i i mean to me what stands out is the authenticity and that that folks really saw a real community rooted campaign and candidate. You know, I think we have a huge problem in the democratic party of hiring the same kind of consultants year after year, and they create the same looking campaigns year after year that don't really connect to folks. It just feels really, it feels really fake. It feels packaged. And um, so we set out from the get go to, to do something different. We, turned down the party consultants and, you know, we painted our campaign signs by hand and we made all of our mailers ourselves and we went against everyone's advice and stuck to a hundred percent positive campaign and really just focused on building a grassroots campaign that was powered by tons and tons of volunteers going door to door and talking to people. Talk about the pushback you got from establishment Democrats in Maine. There was a lot, you know, folks were not, folks were not pleased that, <laughs> that we weren't using, using the consultants. Um, so there was, there was a good bit of pushback in that regard. And then, um, you know, it's, I think by, by and large folks, folks came, came together to, to collaborate once we got past the initial attention of, of them realizing that we were going to do things a little bit differently and, 
you know, we did, did our best to communicate super proactively and openly. And, and I think they did their best to, to go with the flow and support something that, that felt very different. <laughs> Chloe, talk a little bit about what you told some of these voters, particularly Republican voters that really had not even talked to Democrats or Democratic political candidates ever before. How, how did you approach them? What did you tell them? How did you make that contact? You know, I think it's so, I think when when we open a door and there's a canvasser outside or when you're the canvasser, I think we, for the most part, we all expect a pretty standard script that has some some basic questions like, do you know where your polling place is? Who are you supporting this election, et cetera, et cetera. And they're just very targeted questions aimed at extracting information from the voter. And what we did was a little bit different. We just really wanted to hear where people were at. So the start of the conversation was, hey, I'm Chloe. I'm running for state rep. I just stopped by to hear what was on your mind today. And just having really open-ended conversations without really any specific agenda except to to try and connect and um that's what those are the same skills that our volunteers use as well it's we didn't know it at the time but now people call it deep canvassing you know having actual genuine conversations with people um and when you do that you do find that there's that you have a lot in common you know even if it's something as simple as wow we both really love our community here and we both want to fight for it even if we're fighting for it in different ways, you know, that's, that's a huge thing to build a relationship off of, but you can't, you can't find that common ground if you're, you know, if you're really have the pressure on you to read the script and identify if a voter will support a candidate or not. How does something like this, in, in your view, Chloe, start with you, how does something like this scale? Because certainly there are places where there just isn't the ability to do all those doors that you knocked on. It's so true, you know, and it's something that um, both of us are really aware of. We, you know, one of the reasons why we ran for the Senate district, definitely not the only reason, was to, you know, scale up some of the stuff that we used in our in our House campaign. But Maine, Maine does have small legislative districts. I, you know, we definitely don't profess to have all the answers and what works here may not work in other states and some of the things will work in other states. Um, and of course, a statewide campaign or, you know, districts with 100,000 people in them are going to look really different from what our race looked like. Um, and so we definitely acknowledge all that. You know, what we tried to do as we wrote the book and, and went through this is to really kind of put it in the perspective of all the campaigns that both of us have worked on and extract some lessons that could hopefully be um resonance, you know, if not applicable in other circumstances. And I, I think the biggest one, you know, and we hear this from from folks all across the country, is just really taking time to listen, you know, um, really taking time to listen and to connect with folks and um, and just really build robust volunteer movements that can that can help have those conversations. It's the it's the kind of investment that we need more of in, in rural communities. Canyon, talk a little bit about authenticity. It was certainly part of what you did in the campaign. And as you say, you, you created all your own materials. And Chloe talked to people one-on-one. -on -one. Talk about the importance of that authenticity and how something like that might be able to be scaled. You know, I think authenticity was huge. I think folks prided themselves on being good judges of character. And um, when they when they see 
campaigns or candidates that look exactly like something else that they've seen before saying, you know, using the same the same talking points on healthcare and education and kind of regurgitating these politically triangulated lines that are so transparently just coming from consultants and polling, it really, really turns people off, um, both to the candidate and more broadly the the political process. And so I think just leading leaning into personal stories and leading with values is something that everyone can benefit from across the country. Canyon, do you think that it was issues or or really the nature of the campaign itself, the authenticity that you're talking about, and and Chloe, that, that that's what really put it over the top more than any issue or, or ideology or program? I think it was such a huge part of it, you know, and, um, and you know, again, I don't think it was just us. I think it was everyone who worked on our campaign just bringing – like a, a really different spirit. I mean, it really felt different than any other political experience that that I've ever had. And I think the folks that we talked to felt that as well. Um, you know, I, I think there's, uh, yeah, it's just when you when you got a stranger knocking on your door, and especially when they're a politician, I think we're all kind of primed to think the worst. And it just seems that we have to put more care and empathy into how we show up because those those bonds of trust between citizen and democracy have all but broken and i think the only way we can rebuild it is with these face-to-face conversations and that's that just requires showing up with love how were the two campaigns different chloe um you know the the they felt different in a lot of ways and similar in, in some. The the Senate district is, is quite a bit larger than the House district, about 38,000 people compared to almost 9,000. So quite a bit larger. The Senate district is also more moderate than our House district. So while while we had a lot more folks to talk to, it, you know, it, it wasn't leaning quite as hard to the right. Um, but I think because of that, you know, we just had like a, a, so many incredible conversations that actually did end up echoing the same themes of folks feeling really left behind and unheard by their government. Um, in 2020 as well, both of us, like every other person on the planet, went through adapting to, to a pandemic world. And that, that really impacted our campaign and what it looked like. And we just wanted to make sure that we were helping our community and making sure that our volunteers safe at the same time. Did you have a difference or did people react to, respond to, want to know what you had done in the legislature when you were running for the Senate? Was was there the sense of being, even though you weren't an incumbent for that position, you had a record at that point? Yeah, it was definitely something that I talked about a lot, you know, and, and I carried the same principles into my service in the Senate. But when I was elected in 2018, I sponsored four bills and they all came directly from conversations that I had with constituents and experiences that they had or, or dreams or needs that they had. Um, and that's certainly something that kept resonating with folks and that I talked about a lot in, in 2020. So, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely important. Um, and every, every month, basically every month since I was elected and, in 2018, I've hosted Coffee with Chloe, and, um, you know, so people just kind of see me around and know that I'm available. 
Canyon, talk a bit about your desire to do this with other candidates and, and really shape the experience that you had in these campaigns to, to electing others. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's so important, especially, especially to get young folks like us to move, think about moving back to, to their communities and investing in politics in this way and, and to get folks young and old more, more invested in, in the, the political process. Again, I, I think that we face some kind of dark, dark and at times hopeless feeling um, times. And I think that the best way to get through that is through taking, taking action and, you know, working on these campaigns has been the biggest source of hope in my life. And I think our, our message to, Democrats all across the country is, you know, rural America is not a lost cause. We can we can run and win in these rural districts, and um, and we need to we need to invest in that. And is it your plan, Canyon, to to keep working on campaigns? Um, Chloe and I just started a five hundred one c four nonprofit called Dirt Road Organizing. So um, we're we're pivoting a lot of our energy towards supporting supporting the volunteer infrastructures that that could be used in in campaigning for for candidates or for issues in their communities and and we've started started to do a lot of trainings on the kind of canvassing and and community organizing approaches that worked for us both in Maine and and also offering those trainings to folks in communities across the country so that's what we're that's what we're pouring a lot of our energy into now. And Chloe, what's ahead for you? Like Canyon said, you know, we're just really excited to, to dig into more rural organizing work and support other folks running who are progressives in, in rural conservative places. I think um, there's just so much meaning in that. And uh, I also am going to law school here in Maine next year to really further my understanding of policymaking. And obviously you want to stay involved in politics? I do. I think, you know, I think everything that we love and care about really circles back to our political system and more importantly, the people that we have in office. And I think we need really strong movements on the ground that are organizing year in and year out, not just on Election Day, to both get good people elected and then also to hold the system accountable um, after those folks are elected. We, We need it all and we need it now more than ever. And, and before I let you go, Chloe, talk about how you see other young people responding to this, how they've responded to you, to your campaign, and, and, and how some of them have put aside some of the cynicism that, that we see among young people today about politics. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, when you, when you ask that question, all, all these images come to my mind of our friends from high school and college and just life who drove up to Nobleboro, Maine to volunteer with us canvas with us some of them it was their first political experience i think it's i think it's just really important that we see all different folks from all different identities running for office and really engaging with the political process i think we definitely need more young people we need more women we need more more queer folks we need more folks of color um, because that's how we have a representative democracy that can actually fight for for all the things that that we so desperately need right now. And I think it's going to require some investment in the Democratic Party. But if we can just start getting our friends and our networks involved with this 
process and showing that there is a way to do it that isn't totally mind-numbing and depressing, then, you know, maybe cycle by cycle, we'll start to move the needle forward. Maine State Senator Chloe Maxman, Canyon Woodward, I thank you both so much for spending time with us. The book is Dirt Road Revival, How to Rebuild Rural Politics and Why Our Future Depends on It. Chloe Canyon, thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. Really enjoyed the chat. Thank you.